You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the BT Powerhouse podcast. This is our 58th podcast. My name is Thomas Bendit. I am your host, as always. It is March. It is March Madness. Uh, college basketball world is on fire. It, it's the most exciting time of the year, I guess. Uh, I wish I had some, some Christmas music to play <laughs> to celebrate. But uh, just an outstanding weekend of of NCAA tournament play. Uh, really really just college basketball at its best, whether it was upsets, whether it was, uh, you know, teams coming through at the end, you know, star players coming through, exciting games from start to finish. It was really an action-packed weekend. I, I know my bracket my bracket took some hits, <laughs> I will say, over the last couple of days, but it, it's still in there, still in there, still got a couple of Final Four teams and and particularly you know the Big Ten it was a it was a wild weekend for the conference several upsets to the Big Ten uh, the Big Ten pulled off a couple of upsets as well particularly last on uh, on Sunday evening with Wisconsin pulling off the win against Xavier it was just a it was a hectic weekend you know I, I maybe that puts it too bluntly but it really was a, a wild wild weekend. Um, and, and before we get started, we, we have Joshua Stern. He's going to join us here uh, from the BT Powerhouse staff to, to chat about last weekend's action and, and some stuff coming up. But one thing I, I just wanted to throw out as well, uh, our last podcast from last week, we had a couple technical difficulties, but it did, uh, it did the first the first 75% was still solid, and it was our highest uh, viewed podcast by far, or I guess listened to, not viewed. Um so we appreciate all the support. We appreciate everyone checking us out. Um, you know, it, it's that time of the year. Uh, we know people are are excited about it. We certainly are. Um, but I just wanted to throw out that we really appreciate those of you who who are checking us out. But but with no further wait, um, let's get Josh Stern on here so we can chat about uh, last weekend's action. Josh, how's it going? Pretty good, Thomas. How about you? Yeah, what a what a first weekend of the tournament, man. Unreal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was wild. I, you know, at least in my memory, you know, maybe I'm missing a year, but it sure seemed like it was it was the most exciting, most dramatic weekend of the NCAA tournament I can at least remember. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, but why don't why don't we jump into that a little bit before we get into Big Ten here? Um, talk about just some of your general takeaways, you know, just for the NCAA tournament uh, in general. Uh, we'll get to the Big Ten a little bit later, but, um, you know, obviously there's plenty plenty of crazy games. Uh, what were a couple of your highlights? Um, I mean, I think first you have to start with uh, with Michigan State. Um, you know, obviously we're a Big Ten blog. We're, we're supporting the Big Ten. But, uh, but it was tough not, you know, the last eight or ten minutes not to kind of be rooting for those middle Tennessee, middle Tennessee state guys to, uh, to pull it out guys like Giddy Potts. I mean, that might be the best name in the country. Um, I mean, it was, I mean, that was an unbelievable game. 
you know, you had the you had the game last night where Texas A&M pretty much should have lost. They were down 12 with 46 seconds left, and Northern Iowa threw it away. That was unreal. You know, you, another Big Ten team you had Wisconsin. You had a super close nail-biter against Pittsburgh, and then Bronson Koenig, who we, we can get into that. I mean, he hasn't had quite been playing at his best, but what an unbelievable shot to send them into the Sweet 16. Um, you know, there were countless other games, but those are just a few that I can think of that made the weekend so special. Yeah, I'd agree. You know, I, I think uh, that Northern Iowa-Texas A&M game really stands out for me. It, I, The NCAA statistics people, which um, I'm not sure exactly how they calculate it, but whatever, it's it's the biggest upset in college basketball – or biggest collapse, I should say, in college basketball history yeah. uh, when, when you give up 12 points in, in like 40 seconds. So you know, just that, and then when you add in a Sweet 16 game <laughs> or appearances on the line, it, it really – uh, just ratchets, uh, goes up a notch. Um, so I, I'd say that one stands out for me. Uh, also, you know, Northern Iowa getting the win over Texas as well yeah. on Friday. Uh, you know, half-court heave, uh, they get it. You know, that was a game that, that really stood out to me. And then, um, you know, you mentioned the MSU upset, but but the Wisconsin win as well over Xavier, really exciting game. No one really talked about it because of the Northern Iowa insanity. Right, but, right, um, right. <laughs> I mean, every night, just just so many, so many great games. It it was truly yeah. just an out, an outstanding weekend of, of college basketball. But with that, why don't we jump into the Big Ten teams here? Uh, let's start with the teams that didn't make it through, um, and we will start with the the first team you mentioned, Michigan State. They were the Big Ten tournament champions. They were a number two seed. Most people had thought they should have got a number one seed, myself included. Uh, they had the second best odds, according to Vegas, to win the national title. They go down in the first round to a 15 seed. Uh, what are your thoughts? Um, look, you, I mean, you can you can argue back and forth whether or not they should have been a one seed or a two seed. But let's be real: to be a two seed in the same region as Virginia. Um, and with your potential second-round matchup to be Dayton or Syracuse, I mean, you really can't complain about that draw. Most people thought it was almost a cakewalk for them through to the Elite Eight, and, you know, they had Virginia's number the last two years, so what, why was this year going to be any different? Um, I mean, Michigan State, I mean, you could argue was, I guess, from when Denzel got back from his injury, the most talented team in America. It didn't necessarily mean that every single night the results were out there. But, man, that team was good. I mean, Bryn Forbes came on. Zach Costello turned into one of the best bigs in the Big Ten. I don't think really anybody saw that coming earlier in the year. Um, but if you're down 15-2 within the first three or four minutes, I mean, I wasn't going to watch the Michigan State game. I looked at my phone, and I saw 15-2, and I said, hold on here. Let's see what Middle Tennessee State can do. And they just kind of kept putting it on. I mean, they went 8-for-12 on threes in the first half. Their offense was crisp. They had a couple bigger bodies that they could bang down side with, inside with Michigan State with. Um, and you just got you to tip your hat to, to Middle Tennessee, to the Blue Raiders. The game Michigan State has to win. It's a game they should have won by 15 or 20 points, but if you're going to put yourself in a hole and constantly going to have to claw back, I mean, that's what happens in the tournament. That's what makes it so special. I, I definitely agree. Um, I, I actually got into it a little bit with a uh, – I, I don't know. His Twitter account says he's a former CBS writer. I, I didn't recognize him. But regardless, um, a guy on Friday night uh, because, you know, I, I was one of the, the people in agreement. I I think this is one of the biggest upsets in NCAA tournament history. Um, yeah, I don't, without a doubt. I, yeah, I, I don't know if you can say it's 
the biggest upset just because you kind of get subjective at a certain point. But you're sure. talking about a, a team, not just a two seed. The, the sec, according to Vegas, they were the second best. You know, they had the second best chance to win it all. You know, this is a team yeah. that um, I, I don't know the bracket numbers, you know, how many people, you know, predicting brackets pick them. But this is a very popular pick. I know the bracket pools I, I was in, I'd say more than a quarter of everyone in it picked MSU, not just to the Final Four, but to win it all. And yeah, I think ESPN goal, had like 45 or 46 percent were because it's a 22 or 23 percent to win the national championship, and then I think 22 or 23 percent on top of that to make the Final Four. So you had nearly half of ESPN's brackets that had Michigan State penned in for the Final Four. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and and that's my thing. You know, this this isn't your typical two seed. You know, you mentioned that they had a right. little bit of an easier bracket. You know, however that works out, but this is not your typical two seed. And, you know, this is a two seed going down the first round. It's only happened a handful of times, period. And to have it happen to the team, you know, this Michigan State team, and not not just that, but, you know, this is Michigan State. This is Tom Izzo, you know, the team yeah. and the coach that more than anything are known for play in March. You know, people are always saying jokes, well, yeah. March should be renamed Izzo, you know, whatever. Um, to have it happen to them, it just adds an extra level to it. Um, right. I will, I will, I will say in terms of the actual game, um, Middle Tennessee came out to play. Uh, they were oh, balling. Yeah. Um, it, it, you know, I, I think a lot of people, oh, uh, you know, MSU wasn't ready, you know, so on. I think that's probably true to an extent, but Middle Tennessee was on. I mean, this was not a problem of MSU scoring. It was clearly they couldn't stop them. You know, it was the defense that fell over. Um, you know, whether it was you know, <laughs> Middle Tennessee shot 57.9% from three-point range against an MSU defense that is one of the best in the country. I, I think that alone speaks for itself. You know, this is Middle Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think I think we need a petition to move Middle Tennessee in the Big Ten and knock out Rutgers. <laughs> I think, what do you think? <laughs> it could be an option. It could be an option on the table. We, um, we can talk about yeah, that later. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, you have to, you know, as we were talking about, you have to give credit to Middle Tennessee. They really played an outstanding game. Um, yes. But this, this is Michigan State. you got to win that game. There's no excuse for that. Um, and, I, and I think the thing that's really disappointing, if you're a Spartan fan, yeah, if you're someone, you know, looking for Michigan State to make a run here in March is, uh, you know, this is something that's going to hang on Denzel Valentine's legacy. You know, whether, yeah. whether people want to admit it or not, uh, you know, people are going to remember, you know, his this brilliant career, and then the biggest upset in school history. You know, one of the biggest upsets in NCAA tournament history. I, I think. It's I mean, people are talking I, about Denzel too as National Player of the Year. You can't give the mm-hmm. National Player to the Year to a guy whose team lost to a 15 seed in the first round. I don't think you can do that. Yeah, I, I definitely think this is going to lose him the award. You know, I, I think he was in great position to win it, and uh, yeah. you know, it's not fair. It's not fair. But it's just reality, and I think this is something that it really is. You know, people are going to say, "Oh, you know, Valentine, one of the best players ever," but he lost in the first round of the year. You know, it's going to be that little something. And you know, uh, Valentine clearly he was the best player in the Big Ten all year. To see a guy go out like that, um, you know, it's you got to show up. You got to show up uh, in that first round, but um, so obviously a disappointment for MSU. Um, what are your thoughts overall on what, 
is this season a failure for MSU? You know, they did get a banner out of it, the Big Ten tournament. Uh, how do you evaluate this season? I guess. Um. I mean, I don't think it's a failure. I think it's I think it's hard to hardly call the season a failure. I mean, they finished twenty nine and six. Um, obviously, the goal every year, especially for Michigan State, for a team with a program like that and a coach like that, and arguably one of, if not the best player in the country, is to make the Final Four. But I mean, you can't take away their wins. They have some great wins. They blew some teams out. They had an awesome team. Um, you know, like I was mentioning before, they were able to develop guys like Matt Costello, who actually went 9 for 10 and had 22 points and 9 rebounds against Bill Tennessee, so it wasn't like anything with him. And you had a guy like Bryn Forbes who turned into one of the best shooters in the country. Um, I mean, I don't know if it's a failure. I think it's an enormous disappointment, and I think next to this Michigan State team, there's going to be a huge asterisk because they lost to a 15 seed. But I wouldn't say failure. I would, I would err on the side of caution simply because they were so dominant throughout the Big Ten season, minus a couple hiccups at the beginning. I agree. You know, it's, you can't call it, you certainly can't call it a great season, you know, especially when you have MSU standards and expectations, but um, Mm -hmm. it was still, it was still a decent year. It was still a solid year. I mean, they compiled a lot of wins. They did win the big 10 tournament. Uh, You know, they beat up on on Ohio state a couple of times. So I know that that'll make the the fans in East Lansing uh, happy. You know, I I don't want to get too off track here, but, they have an outstanding recruiting class coming in next year, and frankly, I think that team could be better than this team. So yeah. uh, one yeah. thing to look forward to if you're a Spartan fan. But uh, moving on from the Spartans, uh, another team to get upset in the first round, the Purdue Boilers. They came in with some with some lofty expectations. A lot of people saw them as a potential dark horse, considering how well they played at the end of the year. They go down to Arkansas Little Rock in double overtime, and Frankly, wasn't as bad as Northern Iowa's collapse, but horrible collapse late in the game, and and they give up the win. Uh, what were your reactions to that? What went wrong? Um, and what do you make of this season for Purdue? Um, well, I mean, let's start with pretty much what you said. It, it was a it was a pretty major collapse. They were up 13 points with three and a half minutes to go against Little Rock. Um, you know, Little Rock hit some absolutely crazy shots. Hagen at the end of the game was shooting from two or three feet behind NBA range and making some crazy moves. So again, like middle Tennessee, you have to give little rock a ton of credit for, for hanging around in that game. But it just feels like Purdue is one of those teams with their size. You know, they have two real seven footers. I mean, Vince Edwards had 24 points in that game. Hammonds was great. Um, it just seemed like one of those teams that, you know, maybe that it, they were Sweet 16 good, and then they play a one seed, and maybe they are able to get lucky. But extremely disappointing not to uh, at least beat a team like Little Rock. Um, on the whole of the season, I mean, I thought it was good. Did I think it was spectacular? Uh, no, I think I think losing in the first round, you know, like Michigan State, is an enormous disappointment, especially because Matt Painter has such a talented team, and a guy like Rachel Davis is leaving, and AJ Hammonds is leaving. I don't know whether Swanigan is going to leave. Uh, I'm not quite sure. But, you know, you might you have some pieces that made this team really good that aren't going to be there next year. Um, and I think this was the year that Purdue said, okay, if we really buckle down and, and are able to get a one seed in the Sweet 16, we can make a run. So uh, definitely, definitely more disappointing uh, than Purdue fans wanted the season to end. I, I agree. I, I think, um, you know, it, it was a collapse. You know, they got up to, uh, yeah. what, over, over 
90% odds, you know, the in-game. I know people hate to look at those, but um, whatever, I look at them. I, I kind of I <laughs> do. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they, they were at like 99%-ish odds with yeah. about five minutes to go, and they lost. Um, yeah. there, there's not a ton to be said about the actual games like that. Um, it, it, it was a classic case of, of what was in the whole year. The front card, the front court is awesome. Back is a big problem. You know, they in the game more than double. You know what Little Rock committed, um, and it, it's really up to the role players. You know, is Vincent Edwards going to have an outstanding game? Uh, is Davis going to have an outstanding game? And the is, they didn't quite have enough to get through with the win. Um, as far as the season goes. Yeah, I mean, it was it was an, a solid year. I, I I would probably say maybe even good, considering you know they did have a lot of solid wins. They had that great start. It's certainly disappointing to go out in the first round. I know a lot of people are starting to grumble and uh, complain. I guess that they think Purdue should be doing more or or being more doing more in the postseason. Um, I, I think you still have to ride through with this. You know, they've been a pretty successful program over the last. In years or so um and and next year's team you know again i don't want to get too off track with next year but um as odd as it sounds i think next year's team could be better despite mm. less talented and and my reason is is first off all the rumblings are that swanigan's coming back um obviously he hasn't confirmed that i'm sure he's reach out you know see where he can potentially go in the nba draft but um sure. you get you get swanigan back you get haas back um, they have a nice point guard coming in who can fill, you know, what a, in a massive hole in them the last couple of years. Um, and, and really all the role players are back. You know, Vincent Edwards probably back. Um, they got young, you know, Ryan Klein will be back. Matthias most like, you know, pretty much everything is back. Uh, Hammonds is the, is the big one. Hammonds and Davis. And uh, I think finally it'll better because you don't have this log jam up front as much. But, um, we'll have to see, obviously, and a lot to scout on the roster, but um, I, I do think they could be better just because I think they'll be have a better overall lineup. Just having but we'll out of the way. Uh, let's move into um, the team that was knocked out in the round of 64, and that is uh, the Michigan Wolverines. They did score a win in the, the first four over Tulsa to get into the round of 64, but they go down to Notre Dame lately. Um, they also, you know, up big, and they kind of let it slip away in the second half. Uh, Josh, what were your thoughts about this game? Uh, kind of view of Michigan season overall? Uh, I mean, this let's, let's, let's put it bluntly. This one hurt. Um, you know, the game before <laughs> – the game before uh, Stephen F. Austin won, and so you're looking there, and you know, and Notre Dame, it's a winnable game, and you see a 14 seed sitting there in the next round, and you play arguably one of, if not the best halves that you've played all season. I mean, you could even take one step back and go to the Tulsa game. The Tulsa game was was a garbage game. I don't. They got super lucky to win at the end. You had Irvin on on a curl for a three pointer, some fadeaway three pointer. Um, you know, they had one with Chapman before. They had one with Urban then, so they got lucky. But to give up a 12-point halftime lead against Notre Dame is just inexcusable. It just feels like one of those things where if you're trying to move in the right direction and after that first half, you're thinking, you're going, okay, we're going to win this game. We get Stephen F. Austin in New York. There's going to be way more Michigan fans than Stephen F. Austin fans. You're getting excited. 
And then everything kind of just crumbled in the second half. Um, the offense just went away. Plays that they were making in the first half, crisp passes, smart plays. Um, there was one Moritz Wagner layup where they called a charge. And, uh, and Wagner, I charge. throughout <laughs> – yeah, we can go into that. But um, but I think that was a huge turning point because that ended up being Wagner's fourth foul. And over the last couple of weeks, I mean, Wagner was excellent. Defensively, he was putting the ball in the basket. Offensively, he was the size and the mobile guy that Michigan needed. And the, you get the fourth foul on him. You know, then Denal comes back in and he misses a layup and everything just, you know, and Michigan somehow was still winning with five or six minutes left. But everything just kind of crumbled at the end. Um, I mean, you have to give props to VJ VJ Beecham. He was uh, he was he was amazing. He didn't miss. I think he was seven for seven with eighteen points, and Michigan couldn't find a way to stop him. Uh, and in the end, they came up short. You know, you can you can discuss whether it was fatigue. I think it was five games in eight days, and four of the five starters played. I want to say thirty five plus minutes. So was it fatigue? Was it poor coaching? I mean, I, I'm curious to know what you think, but. Yeah, it's disappointing. It's disappointing to know that as bad of a season as it could have been, that you have a you have a 14 seed sitting there for the Sweet 16. Yeah, I mean, I the first thing I would say is definitely disappointing, um, and partially because they had Notre Dame right where they wanted them. You know, they're yeah. sitting there with a seed coming out of halftime. All they had to do was just stay consistent, and they would they walk out with a win. And then you know, as you mentioned. They sit with a 14 seed in the next round. And little did we know at the time, but then Wisconsin takes down Xavier. If Michigan yeah. gets through Notre Dame, and then they get through Stephen Austin. Now they're facing Wisconsin. Who, um, we'll get to Wisconsin later, but the Badgers are, like, these are beatable teams, you know, even yeah, with Michigan's flaws. So you're you're talking about potentially setting up for an Elite Eight run with the win. Now, I, I know that's kind yeah. of getting ahead of yourself, you know, speculating. But um, that that's potentially what you lose by losing this game, and it's potential, right. but it's it's there. Um, so I I'd say you know the first thing disappointing on that end, as far as in the game, I think you know Michigan's had the problem the whole second half of the year. They can't maintain leads, and um, never part of that part of that's the offense. I think the bigger part of it though is just not having depth. Uh, you know when they have to bring yeah. in Dockich, the offense just dies. Ugh. Oh, it looks all. Dawkins looks like a junior varsity player out there, man. I don't know why no one else can play, but it is it's a train wreck when Dawkins gets on the court and starts waving hands and making signals really, really bad. I mean, I I, I don't want to hate on Dawkins too much because I mean he is a walk on, so you can only expect so much out of him. But um, it yeah. is apparent the instant he comes onto the floor, the opposing defense is back up. They don't put anyone out on him because they know he can't no. shoot. He can't yep. create his own shot. So it's basically five on four. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that's a problem. I think the other issue is that um, Wagner is the better choice over Doyle, but yep. he's still a freshman. You can still only play him so much. We still did see, you know, he had four fouls in eight minutes of game time um, on yeah. Friday night, which is amazing. Um, one of those was not a foul. But he, but as he's I said. out there, by the way. I don't know if anybody has more stats per minute maybe in America, than Mo Wagner. <laughs> I, between fouls, points, rebounds, steals, the guy is everywhere. He he just runs for about the 10 or 12 minutes he's on the court, but he makes sure his name's in the box score. <laughs> oh, I mean, you can tell. He has that he has that spark. 
that you like to see out of a freshman. I think he's in for a big year next year when he puts on some weight. Yeah, he can actually hold up in that court. Um, but I think those are the biggest issues. I mean, I think you can argue, well, maybe Wagner should have more minutes over Doyle. Uh, you know, maybe you play Mar at point guard. Um, when you pitch off. Mar already played 30 minutes, so I mean, it's it's hard to yeah, add too no, much yeah, more exactly. out of it. But, I mean, I think this is one of those things where, um, you know, flaws just show, and, and Notre Dame had enough, um, whether it was Beecham, whether it was Jackson, whether it was uh, August, making play, making enough to come out with the win. Um, it was just based on, you know, you really, you really feel good about the season for Michigan, in my opinion, if they had gotten this win. Now sort of in that so I actually posted an article on BT Powerhouse about this, but really think it's in that gray area this season for Michigan. And they get that win on Friday night, and I think you have to feel feel really good. So yeah. it was disappointing disappointing to see that. Well, my one my one question uh, for you, you know, in terms of depth. So you had a guy like Aubrey Dawkins. I think we talked about this earlier, uh, like earlier today, who came on really strong last year. And a guy like Cam Chapman hit a big shot. who was a top 40 recruit. But you really, I mean, if you have to play Dockage essentially over them, then why are you recruiting them? By your sophomore year, I mean, what, where's the disconnect? Is it, is it coaching? Is it confidence? I mean, you know, if Michigan needs a 6'6", six, 6'7", six, 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 guy who can play that wing role, why isn't it Dawkins or Chapman in the, in the NCAA tournament? Yeah, I mean it. It is. It is. Not, I mean, like I, I, I remember tweeting this out the last couple games when I was saying, you know, just don't play Dockage. Move Mar over uh, to point guard, and then just bring Dawkins or bring Chapman or you know whoever you want to bring. Bring him out onto the two or three and and sort of play. Yeah. Maximize your backup minutes like that. But um, you know, both of those guys do have their holes. You know, Chapman really inconsistent offensively. Dawkins has just been a, a swinging open door on defense. So I think um, it'll be interesting. Those two are going to have some big summers ahead of them to see if, if they can finally take that next step. But um, overall, you know, uh, disappointing game, um, sort of a big season for Michigan, and, and it'll be interesting to see how uh, how they shape up next year with uh, with a lot of the same guys coming back. But, uh, well, but and, moving on, and who oh, goes? Go ahead. So we got we got an extra scholarship, so we'll see how that plays out. But uh, that'll be an interesting storyline to follow over the summer too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and for those who aren't familiar with that, Michigan is one over the scholarship limit at this moment. They have a couple of options on how they're going to deal with that. The expert consensus is someone is likely to transfer. Personally, I don't like to speculate on transfers, but. Um, my guess is someone will transfer. We'll have to wait and see who who it is or who it isn't. Um, but something to watch over the and summer. Spike, and if Spike comes back, then it's two. So well, yeah, that's although an interesting I, thing to follow also. Although, you know, quickly, I um, he did tweet out, you know, thanks for this four years, you know, graduation he uh, posted after the, uh, the game on Friday. So I think it sure. is pretty safe to assume he's gone, barring some weird transfers. Because uh, obviously, I, I don't think they're going to let him walk. They have two two spots open, but but anyway, moving on to our our next team, uh, the last Big Ten team that was eliminated over the weekend, and that would be the Iowa Hawkeyes. They score a win over Temple in a dramatic overtime victory on Friday. Uh, they move on, and they just get annihilated. 
on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, uh, it was brutal. It was, it, oh, yeah. That thing was over uh, <laughs> three minutes yeah. into the game. Maybe. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I guess what were your reactions to the two games? Um, what makes these uh, um, I guess something positive after that Villanova game? Um. I mean, well, let's start with this. I mean, for the second consecutive year, you know, Iowa throughout the first 20, 25 games looked like one of the best seven or ten teams in the country. I mean, there was no disputing that. You had two All-American type scorers. I'm not saying both All-American type players, but two unreal scorers in Peter Jock and Jared Udoff. I mean, any team would be happy to have them shooting the ball. Those guys are clicking. You've got guys off the bench. You've got someone like Dom Yule and Nicholas Bear. And, uh, and guys like that, even Ahmad Wagner, who's excellent defensively, guys kind of just coming out of nowhere who were unreal for them. And then for the second consecutive year, you had the Iowa meltdown. And the Hawkeyes just somehow couldn't put it together down the stretch. <laughs> I think they went uh, – before the tournament, I think they lost five of their last six. They beat Michigan. Uh, that, was a, that was an ugly game. But, um, but besides for that Michigan win, they, they didn't win before the tournament. Uh, they got really lucky before they with the Temple game. I mean, Woodbury had to had to put back uh, for the win. But I mean, how many how many times are you going to say this is the Iowa team? This is the team that's going to win. This is the team that's actually ready to make a run. I feel like the last couple of years we've said that, and I mean, it's especially disheartening for Iowa fans because I mean, you're losing you're losing four of your of your key players using Anthony Clemens, Mike Gazelle, Jared Udoff, and Adam Woodbury. If you're losing four starters, the only starter you get back is Jaw. And so let's say you have Jaw, Dom Yule, Nicholas Bear, and Christian Williams came on at the end, and Wagner. So you really have five rotation players back. That's not good. This is the year that they, you were supposed to say, okay, we're winning, we're, we're, a top, we're a top five ranked in the country, let's go make a run, and it didn't happen again. And, I, I mean, do you point fingers at Fran McCaffrey for maybe – you know, getting into these guys too much and they're losing steam at the end of the season. I mean, maybe you can help me understand why Iowa just continues to falter at the end and they have nothing left in the tank going into the tournament. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that was a question I, I, I wanted to discuss with you as well. Um, you know, this, this really, you know, it's not a one-year thing. It's not a two-year. This is like three or four years now where Iowa gets out to these really good starts and then yeah. the wheels kind of come off. And, and it's not just the schedule getting tougher. It's you know they dropped a game to Penn State. They have no business losing to Penn State. You know, to Ohio State. No, no. I mean these are three games they lost in the end of the year at Penn State, at Ohio State, Illinois on a neutral court. They have no business losing any of those three. None. Games. They're better. None. They're None. better than those teams. And I'm sorry, you know, you may talk about the road. Penn State is not an intimidating road environment. You know, Ohio State this season late in February. That's not an intimidating road environment. I mean, those, there's empty seats everywhere, you know, once once the Buckeyes dropped off. You know, generally speaking, I think that's a pretty tough environment uh, most of the time. But, you know, it, it's not just schedule difficulty. You know, it's not just, you know, things getting more difficult, you know, getting tired because they've had some time off between some of these games. Uh, it, it's just been it's just been a you know a disastrous late season uh, performance the last couple of years. Um, do you have any theories about this? I mean, I I have sort of my my theory, which is you know really reliant on shooting and 
they kind of get into that grind, they start to lose some of it. But, you know, to be honest, it's just a fair, you know, I really do, you know, I really think Frank Caffrey's a good coach. You know, he's built, he's turned Iowa into a consistent NCAA tournament team, a consistent top half Big Ten team. That's not something to overlook. But um, I think he does have to sit back and evaluate, you know, what are we doing, you know, towards the end of the year uh, that can be hurting our team? You know, do we have to change practice time, something along those lines? Uh, do you have any theories on this? I mean, the the one – I mean, this could be crazy that my one theory is, you know, maybe maybe they lose one of those games and, and McCaffrey just goes ballistic. I mean, I've seen Sir McCaffrey go ballistic off 20 points. So the man loses <laughs> his temper extremely easily. No, but imagine being a 20, 21-year-old kid and and you go to Penn State and you lose. And Fran McCaffrey just lights one into you. And he's yelling and he's mad and, and, and he's slamming. And, and you go, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't know whether I'm going to be 100% motivated to play for this guy again who just is yelling and – and and maybe maybe there's chemistry issues and locker room issues when that starts happening because it, I mean there's no reason to explain how a team that looks so good offensively I mean even Woodbury who's who was a stiff in there figured out how to put up eight or ten or twelve points and you know and you have a guy like Dominique to five and you have five shooters and the ball is moving and the defense looks great um, I don't know it, it, teams maybe figured out Iowa's team and and they close them down, and scouting reports are getting better, possibly. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm, <laughs> I, I wish I had a better answer for you. I'm glad that you and I both came up with the same uh, confused question as to why Iowa continues to falter. But, uh, yeah, I'm curious to hear what else you have to say. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things, you know, I, I feel like people are looking for a reason. They're looking for kind of a narrative here. But I don't, I don't think there is one. I, I don't. You know, unless, you know, I'm sure there's something on the things we don't know. But, you know, just from a broad perspective, I mean, there's no reason, you know, you're blowing out Michigan State on the road, you're beating Purdue on the road, and then you lose to Penn State. I mean, there's just there's just no reason. But um, one one last thought on, uh, on Iowa. How disappointed were you that we didn't get one last at Woodbury? I mean, uh, yeah, you know, it's not like he could have been suspended for next year. That would have been it, <laughs> at least in the villain. You know what? Daniel Chefu probably deserved one or something like that. He could even a little one. You know, I don't, I don't want to condone players injuring other players, but a little Adam Woodbury eye poke probably would have been the icing on the cake for the Iowa meltdown this season. Absolutely. <laughs> I felt like I felt like we needed it, so I was disappointed we didn't get to see it. But uh, best wishes to Adam Woodbury. We we enjoyed all. The action yeah. over the last four years. Keep poking. But, um, keep poking. <laughs> keep poking away. Maybe he can get a shot yeah. at, at the next level. That would be an There you go. Um, anyway, um, let's jump into some of the Big Ten teams that actually won um, this weekend and are, and are still going. Um, let's start first with Indiana. They they beat Chattanooga pretty easily on Thursday night. Uh, I know some people were a little concerned about uh, Chattanooga. Overall, you know, pretty non-competitive game. Indiana lays a and then they get matched up with uh, rival Kentucky, a uh, huge marquee Saturday afternoon game, uh, completely lived up to the hype. Uh, Euless was on fire. Farrell was on fire. Just an awesome game. Again, one of those games that's just overshadowed by how good the weekend was. Um, and this, you know, now they obviously are in the Sweet 16. They get slotted with North Carolina um, this yeah. Friday night. 
Um, first, what were your reactions the last weekend? How big of a win was that over Kentucky? You know, whether it's for Indiana, Tom Crean, um, and what are you kind of thinking uh, going into this North Carolina game? So, you know, first and foremost, you have to give your uh, give props to Indiana. I mean, that was that's an unbelievable win to beat Kentucky, and uh, you know, Kentucky fans obviously erupt. They're uh, they're crazy, but they're unbelievable travelers too. So I can only imagine that it probably was something probably like 75, 25 Kentucky fans. Um, no, I mean, look, Indiana, Indiana just did it. Uh, they, they're one of those teams that and they've been frustrating all year. They, uh, they, they find at the beginning of the season, they found ways to, to drop teams. They had no business losing. And then they go 15 and three in the big 10 and then they go and lose to Michigan. And then they come out and beat Kentucky. So, you know, I wish there was a consistent narrative for this Indiana team, but, uh, I mean, look, they just kind of got contributions from all over. I mean, OG Anunoby, I think that's how you pronounce his name. Man, he is going to be unbelievable if you give him a year or two. I feel like he's going to make that Oladipo kind of leap. Just his athleticism and his defense. And if you can put a little bit of an offensive wrinkle to his game, oh, my goodness. Um, and obviously guys like Yogi, uh, who just kind of controlled the game, and, and 18 points, five rebounds, four assists. And, and then we saw Thomas Bryant again. Uh, a lot of dunks, a lot of layups, but but when Indiana has a guy in the middle like that, I mean, it just kind of changes the whole complexion of their team. They have a guy that you know Yogi can uh, weave his way through and just dump it off. And and Bryant's one of those guys as a freshman too, who's who's emotional. He uh, he lifts the team. I know that the team really likes him. Uh, and, and look, it's a phenomenal win. I I don't know how they match up with North Carolina. I mean, North Carolina is enormous. Uh, they're a much bigger team. They've been playing phenomenal. But, you know, just to get to this point, to beat Kentucky, at least, you know, before the next weekend, uh, is a great start. Yeah, certainly. You know, I, I think the first thing you have to say is, you know, considering uh, how people were, I guess the preseason expectations were pretty high for Indiana. I know I had them second in the mm-hmm. Big Ten. But, um, you know, people were not very high on Tom Green. I'll, I'll just put it that way. Right. Um, and, and to put together a Big Ten title, and now a sweet, uh, not only a Sweet 16 appearance, but a win over your rival Kentucky. Uh, yeah. I mean, this season's already a success. I know Indiana fans want more, but um, it, it's already a success, you know, right now. Um, so everything else is gravy. Um, and and I think the difference for Indiana, and, and not in a game by game, you know, constantly improving, but, but when they play defense, they are almost unbeatable. Um, and, and not to say they can blow out, you know, blow out any team. You know, as you saw, that game was close on Saturday night. But one of the best offense teams in the country in Kentucky, oh, yeah. .94 points per possession. The only person who was – the only two guys who were a factor in that game for Kentucky were Murray and Yule. And a pretty good two-way scoring machine. Obviously, uh, they got yeah. theirs. And Murray, but, Murray took 18 shots to get 16 points. So you mm-hmm. can even say they did a great defensive job on Murray too. Yeah, and I mean that, he is one of the best scores in the country. I, just as a side oh, note, yeah. I, I have loved that kid. Uh, he is going to yeah, be a great he's, NBA oh, career. He's, he's, um, yeah, he is. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the defense is the difference when they're playing good, consistent defense. They are just a team to beat. Um, I'm not sure if they can contain North Carolina. I mean, North Carolina is a number one seed for a reason. And the only the one thing I will throw out is North Carolina is 
not a good three-point shooting team. They get almost no points. They're inconsistent. They don't really have any of their best shooter is like maybe Barry, who's like 37%. Um, so Indiana holds its own side at all. It could definitely come out of the top in that game. Um, I will say much easier said than done, but um, yeah. something something to keep in mind as as we move along this week. But, yeah, um, I mean, in that in that game for Indiana, I think you're going to have to look at uh, Bielfeld and Thomas Bryant and say those two are probably going to have to play collectively the best game they've played all season for Indiana to win that game because North Carolina's front line is just monstrous. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's going to be up to the front court, um, and that's Sanobi, that's Bielfeld, that's Bryant. Uh, it's going to be on those guys to determine whether yep. they win the game because I know the backcourt you know, for the Hoosiers can hang up. Can hang with uh, North Carolina, so that'll you know that's certainly going to be a massive matchup. If if they do get through, they're going to play winner of Notre Dame and Wisconsin, who gets to a second. Um, but this is the biggest challenge, obviously. If they can get through North Carolina, yeah. they have a great shot at the Final Four, and I mean that's a that's a whole different issue then. But um, definitely, they definitely are going to have a fighting shot in this game, and and it's certainly a uh, solid season for for the Big Ten champs. But uh, moving on to our second team here that uh, that made it into the Sweet 16, the Maryland Terps, the unanimous preseason Big Ten selection who did not – or Big Ten title selection who did not win the Big Ten title, but they are in the Sweet 16. Uh, they get through South Dakota State on Friday, and then they get a Hawaii team after the Rainbow Wars upset California. They get through Hawaii pretty easily, and now they move into a Thursday game with number one overall seed Kansas. Uh, first, what were your reactions to the two wins? Uh, how, how's, how, what are your thoughts on how Maryland's playing? And I guess the last, do they have any shot against Kansas? Um, I mean, look, if they played the way they did against South Dakota State and Hawaii, I would say no. Um, I, I mean, look, for, I look, South Dakota State almost beat them. And Hawaii had them on the ropes for about 32 or 33 minutes, and then they ran a gas. Um, but I think, you know, Maryland starts five NBA players. And we'll start with that because their talent is undeniable. You have a guy like Robert Carter at the four, who's 6'9", who's pretty much been absent. Robert Carter throughout the tournament so far has 14 points in two games, and he's one of the most versatile scorers and players in the country. You know, um, look, Hawaii was excellent against them. Uh, I was surprised that uh, that Hawaii didn't stay with Stefan Yankovic, their center, uh, who had kind of been their rock all season, who had gotten them there, who stuck them through in the first round. Um, but look, but Maryland, I mean, look, Maryland won. They had a, I think they had a 14-0 run in two minutes against Hawaii. And I was sitting there watching, and I was going, man, Maryland could put together, you know, a couple runs like this against Kansas. They have a shot because that Maryland team looked so good. They were in the passing lane, they were dunking, they were making threes. Um, the problem is it's Kansas, you know, and Kansas rarely makes mistakes. They've, they've been playing unbelievably well so far, um, and Maryland has it, you know, and until Maryland can prove that, that they deserve to to actually be able to be in the same conversation as Kansas, I, I don't really see them having a shot in this game. Um, there's possibility, but... Uh, but, I mean, the, the biggest problem for Maryland is, is trying to get all five starters to click and be on the same page and be in double figures. That hasn't happened yet. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I'd say on a on a positive side, it, it was nice to see Mellow Trimble finally sort of become himself again. I I know yeah. the competition wasn't that great. You know, Maryland fans don't really want to hear about. You know, they made the Sweet 16, so it's a it's an exciting time. But you know, they got gifted. You know, they have they got gifted a game against Hawaii instead of California. You know, clearly yeah. they're a more talented team. You know, California would have been a tougher matchup. I'm I'll just say it. I know Hawaii beat yeah. them, but it would have been. Um, so they kind of got gifted there, but, you know, Mellow Trimble, you know, he scores 19 points in the first one, 24 points in the second one, pretty efficient overall. And he really did his, he got into his bread and butter, which is driving inside, creating fouls. And, and I think that ultimately is his, that is what makes Maryland, you know, a true contender, you know, in that Hawaii game, he has 14 free throw attempts and that's what you want to see, you know. Trimble, he's the most deadly when he when he's causing fouls for the other team. Uh, as far as Kansas goes, yeah, I mean, you put it well. Uh, the, Maryland is always going to have a shot because of their talent, but Kansas is going to be really tough. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, yeah. they haven't lost since January on the road against Iowa State. You know, since then they've uh, – or no, well, they swept Oklahoma – won the big 12 tournament. Um, they handled Connecticut pretty easily. And yeah, yep. that was a team Maryland kind of struggled with. Uh, so it's a time ago, but I think that sort of gives an idea of, of what's coming on Thursday. Uh, I definitely can't in this game, but maybe Maryland can get the offense going. Uh, maybe for Kansas. I mean, uh, takes a bad look. I mean, the, the thing with Maryland too is, you can't go one for 18 on threes against Kansas. You're not going to win that game. That just cannot happen. They got lucky against Hawaii, but if you're going to shoot, I mean, look, the reason Maryland won against Hawaii is they made 28 free throws. If they don't make 28 free throws, they probably don't win that game. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, it's just a fact. I mean, when you're playing a team like Kansas, you don't win unless you're playing well. Kansas, they're going to be – they're a better team than Maryland. Flat out. So Maryland's going to have to play above their normal level. Yeah, they're going to have to hope yeah, Kansas play almost at their best. Mm-hmm. And I think um, I think it's going to be an exciting game. I think it's going to be a fun game. Uh, but Maryland, needless to say, has to work out. Um, if they do get past Kansas, they uh, let's see. I'm trying to remember who's in the bottom of the of that bracket there. Um, geez, <laughs> totally. Miami, Miami and Villanova. Miami oh, and Villanova. Yeah. Yep, my, they're going to have to play the winner of Miami and Villanova to uh, make it through that game. Which, you know, Villanova, you know, we just talked about them destroying Iowa on Sunday, so that's not going to be an easy matchup either. Right. And right, right, right. You know, certainly Miami has plenty of talent as well. So um, two very they they have a very tough route if they ultimately final four. But uh, mm-hmm. but moving on to our final Sweet 16 here from the Big Ten. Um, the Wisconsin Badgers, surprisingly, they come in as a second seed. Uh, they come off two straight losses. They lost to Purdue to end the regular season, lost to Nebraska in the Big Ten tournament. But they knock off Pittsburgh uh, on Friday afternoon, evening in one of the ugliest games in the NCAA tournament. And yeah. then they uh, they take Xavier right take Xavier right down to the end. Uh, Bronson Koenig hits a massive three-point shot. And the Badgers are into the Sweet 16 for the third year in a row. Uh, what were your reactions to Wisconsin's run so far? Um, and 
what kind of odds do they have against Notre Dame here? Right. So, uh, so we'll start with the with the previous. Um, it's pretty rare that your best two players shoot four for twenty five, and uh, you're able to come out with a victory. But uh, look, I mean, if you if you hold your opponent to forty three points, and you can pretty much do anything. So the fact that uh, Hayes and Koenig were uh, were both pretty off in that game when they were able to win was extraordinary. But uh, look, I mean, they went they went tat for tat with Xavier. Xavier is a brutish team. I mean, the front court of Jalen Reynolds and James Farr is arguably one of the best one-two punches in the front court in America. I mean, Jalen Reynolds is a monster. He, I, I was watching the Michigan game earlier this year, and Reynolds just had his way with Michigan. And he kind of had his way with Wisconsin, too. He had 13 points on 6-7 shooting, a couple dunks where I thought the rim was going to break. Um, but look, in the end, Wisconsin just kind of was able to hit enough shots. Um, you know, you got, you got to give enormous props to Bronson Koenig. Uh, unbelievable shot, uh, you know, with time winding, time expiring at the buzzer. And look, Wisconsin is in a great position with, with Notre Dame coming up. Uh, Notre Dame really didn't look very good against Michigan or Stephen F. Austin, to be blunt. Uh, Stephen F. Austin threw the game away there up five in the final minutes, and, and Notre Dame went on a 6-0 run to end the game. Um, look, Greg Gard has just done a phenomenal job. This team loves to play for each other. Um, they're finding pieces. They were able to get 21 minutes from Jordan Hill off the bench, 9 from Millikanen, 12 from Iverson. So they're finding guys off the bench that Bo Ryden would go to. Um, so it's pretty exciting. Um, I just want to give a, a special shout-out to uh, – I've been covering Wisconsin all season, so – to Noah, Max, and Jack, uh, thank you for being avid readers of the Badgers all season, and uh, we'll keep the coverage going until they lose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'll be uh, – it, it's just amazing that this team is in this seed. Uh, I'll yeah, start is. with really that. Um, you know, they were – they had a losing record through December. Uh, they looked like not only were they not going to make the tournament, but they weren't going to make the NFT. And now they're in the Sweet 16 with a, a great, you know, route to the Elite Eight. Um, and then you're, you know, you get to the Elite Eight, and now it's just one game. You just got to win one, and you're in the Final yeah. Four. Uh, so it's, you know, start just that's an, such an incredible turnaround. Um, on Sunday, you know, to be honest, I mean, it was a, it's amazing that they came out with that win. Um, I, I just. Yeah. I, I didn't even think they outplayed, you know, Xavier that much at all. I, I thought Xavier was in position I, to be honest, for the win. Xavier probably outplayed Wisconsin for about 37 or 38 minutes. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin came down <laughs> and hit the shots they had to at the end. That's really what it came down to. Yep. Yeah. It it, it was one of those games where uh, if you're a Xavier fan, uh, you just got to be just shaking your head. You know, that's a game they yeah. should have won. Um, Wisconsin stole it from them. And, and you do wonder how much of that is the fact that Xavier doesn't have a ton of experience necessarily. Uh, Wisconsin clearly has a lot of NCAA tournament experience. I know this isn't the same team as the last couple of years, but Hayes and Koenig were both, you know, the guys last year that that really had to step up and make some big plays down the stretch uh, during that uh, title game run uh, last season. So I think, um, you know, maybe that came out. It was great, you know, coaching the guys up. You know, I'm sure it was part of that. And, uh, you know, Ethan Happ just continues to get the job done, continues to make the plays uh, when Wisconsin needs it. As far as the Notre Dame matchup goes, you know, I'll, I'll just start 
Ken Palm has <laughs> so I, I'll, I'll just start with that. You know, if, if you're wondering what their odds are to make the Elite Eight, they are very good. Uh, I wouldn't say it's anything close to a lock, but um, they're absolutely going to have a fighting chance in this game. And, and frankly, I don't know if Notre Dame, you know, we talked about Michigan. I don't know if Notre Dame deserves to even make the round of 32, uh, let alone Sweet 16. And now we're talking about an Elite Eight appearance. So I, I like Wisconsin's odds in this game. And, and frankly, you know, unless they're shooting badly, I, I think they're going to come out with the winner. Um, yeah. After that, after that, you're talking about a matchup with either Indiana or UNC, which will certainly be a challenge for Wisconsin, obviously. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know about that. But, um, but again, you know, they've beaten Indiana this season. So it, it certainly isn't impossible if the Hoosiers are there. And uh, like we said, it, it's one game. So if they get to the Elite Eight, then it's just one game they got to win. Uh, True. Um, so. I, I mean, I think the, the biggest thing with Wisconsin that's been amazing to me is uh, the contributions. Obviously, Hazing, I mean, Koenig hit the, the unreal shot, but in the Xavier game, Hayes went two for ten. I mean, he has been horrific so far in the first two games of the NCAA <laughs> tournament. And I don't even know, I don't think that's putting it lightly. He's been awful. Um, but, mm. you know, but you have guys like, like Ethan Happ who – Seven for ten, eighteen points. I mean, any. I mean, obviously we're focusing on this season, but in a year or two, Hap could be one of the best ten or fifteen players in America. I mean, he looks so good and so smooth for a freshman. Um, and then you have guys like Showalter and Vito Brown, who barely played last year. I mean, Showalter came up with a huge charge at the end of the game, uh, which people obviously forget because of the caning shot. But if it wasn't for Showalter's charge, Xavier would have had the last shot. Or if it went the other way, Xavier would have had two shots to essentially, you know, go up two, and then Wisconsin would have gotten the ball back. So, enormous play from him. Uh, and Vito Brown, the uh, the king of the long twos, whether his toes are on the <laughs> line, his heels are on the line, he uh, he loves those shots. But uh, but he's been amazing this year, too, just being a jump shooter and being a big body at 6'8 or 6'9 to help body up against some of the bigger opposing frontcourt players. So, you know, just those three guys uh, moving into the starting lineup and having a tremendous impact on the Badgers this season. Yeah, and one other thing I, I did want to talk about, you know, we talked about the potential future of, of some of these other teams like Michigan or Purdue or Michigan State. Um, Wisconsin, you know, I, I know Nigel Hayes has a potential NBA de- – well, he has an NBA decision coming up here shortly, but um, they are – If he keeps shooting uh, the way he's been shooting, there's <laughs> no way an NBA team is going to touch him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think um, – but they're 286 in, in experience, according to Ken Palm. Yeah. Every, like pretty much everyone's back potentially, you know, with the Hayes question mark, um, this is a team with a very bright future ahead of it. Uh, if, if they keep it together and, and even if Hayes goes pro, uh, you know, there's a lot of freshmen who have made impacts. You know, we talked about half, uh, that guy you could see just being a monster for them. You know, oh yeah. Years. So, um, this is a team to watch out for next year. You know, we talked about Michigan state being a potential big 10 title contender. This is a team that's going to be in the conversation as well. Um, and yeah. still, you know, they still have business to finish, uh, obviously, this weekend. Sure. Um, but, yeah, but this, I mean, was, this uh, is a year too early. I don't think anybody saw this coming for this Wisconsin team. No, and, and that's one of the things. You know, I, I talk about this a lot with, you know, teams like uh, Michigan or Ohio State that are really young. And, you know, part of the reason they're struggling, in my opinion, is because they're so young. That's young, and, and they're just producing. You know, they're just a job uh, which, which says a lot about Greg Gard and, and says a lot about the group of guys they have there. Uh, 
You know, sometimes the guys just, they're mature enough and they're ready to roll. And uh, yeah. Wisconsin benefited a lot from that. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to watch, certainly, and, and we'll see how they do this weekend. But um, before we go here, um, one of the things I, I did want to just touch on briefly here was sort of the conference comparison. Um, you know, people always like to look at the NCAA tournament, see how, you know, Conference A did against Conference B, et cetera. Um, the Big Ten sort of had a mixed weekend the first, uh, first four days here. Uh, I wrote that, uh, you know, overall it was a solid weekend. I mean, to get three Big Ten teams in the Sweet 16 is pretty amazing considering, yeah. uh, especially, you know, when the the, high, the conference's highest-seeded team got knocked out in the first game. But um, it's also kind of uh, stressful, though, because nobody has a clear route to the uh, the final four here. So there's a, there's a pretty solid chance the Big Ten does not send a team to the final four for the first year in a – a couple of years here. Um, what were your thoughts on the conference? Um, how do you think it compared? Um, and, and what do you think going forward here for the Big Ten? Um, well, I think it's I think it's two separate arguments. I mean, you know, a team like Notre Dame and a team like Wisconsin, no one's going to look back on the season. One of them is going to make the Elite Eight, and no one's going to look back on the season and go, wow, those were unbelievably historic years from those teams. They were so good. So, and no one's not going to look back at Michigan State and what everything Denzel Valentine did and go, oh, they lost in the first round. Everything Denzel did should just be completely dismissed because his year was unbelievable. Um, so I completely agree with what you said. I think a lot of people put too much emphasis on um, on the NCAA tournament results. You know, um, I think for some of the smaller conferences, when when winning the conference tournament is the only way to make it, then you can only really be judged by how you do in the tournament. Um, yeah, but, you know, the ACC is 16, and Syracuse is one of them, and Notre Dame is one of them, and there's Wisconsin. Um, I mean, if you're just looking at tournament results, the ACC has double the amount of teams in the Sweet 16 that the Big Ten does, but the ACC wasn't two times better than the Big Ten was. So, you know, I think at some point, you know, if Michigan State were to have run the table and won the national championship, you could say, yes, they had an amazing regular season and an amazing NCAA tournament, and they probably – and they were arguably the best team, but that didn't happen. And I don't know necessarily whether this year, because of all the parity in college basketball, that the best team will actually win the national championship. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. You know, I'm one uh, – I, I, to me, it's all about balance because I, I think you do have to account for the NCAA tournament. It, it's the most watched. It, it's what everyone plays for. It's the most important part yeah. of the season. You know, we can talk about, you know, well – regular season, you know, games matter, you know, conference championships matter. But, you know, if you ask, uh, you know, a random person on the street, hey, who won the Big Ten title in 2013? Or you ask them, oh, you know, who made the Final Four that year? Odds are they're probably going to remember the Final Four teams more than they're going to remember right. the conference right. champions, um, you know, whether fair or not. But I, I think it is about balancing it because you also have to realize, you know, you lose one game in, in the tournament, it's over. You know, it's one and done, yeah. and, and that's the nature of it, which makes it really exciting, but also doesn't make it the best indicator of, of who's actually the best sometimes. So I, I, I think when you balance it, you know, like I said, I think the Big Ten had a good overall weekend. Um, the ACC clearly had the best weekend. You know, you can talk about they – they kind of lucked into – you know, we talked about uh, how Michigan could, but could have potentially faced Stephen F. Austin. Well, Notre Dame did. You know, they lucked into yeah. that. You know, they pretty much all their teams lucked into, you know, 
Duke and is Syracuse. Yale. I didn't even say Syracuse yeah. should have been in the tournament, but whatever. Yeah, they get they get Middle <laughs> Tennessee and you know in the round of thirty two, which is you know such an easy matchup uh, for most right, teams. Right. So I I think um you do sit back and go well their six is it's pretty fraudulent, but but nonetheless you know they clearly had the best weekend to get six teams in yep. the Sweet Sixteen. It's clearly amazing. Um, but I think the Big Ten did fine. The the tricky thing is, is I, I don't know how you feel good about the postseason unless you get a team to the Final Four. To me, that sure. that's just a benchmark you have to, you know, even if all three teams advance to the Elite Eight, which, uh, again, probably not that likely given Maryland plays Kansas, <laughs> Indiana plays UNC. Um, even right. if all three advance to the Elite Eight, well, I guess it would be impossible since Wisconsin and Indiana would play each other. But even if two or, you know, whatever, whatever combination, they advance to the Elite Eight, but then they're eliminated. Uh, I, don't, I don't think you can feel, feel great about the Big Ten's postseason. I think you, if you send seven teams to the field, you have to, you you have get, to get a team. Four, yeah, yeah you got to get one. And, and the big thing that, that's really disappointing is, you know, if Michigan State was playing this weekend, um, let's see, who is Syracuse playing? Uh, <laughs> Gonzaga. Syracuse is Gonzaga. Gonzaga. 10-11. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Michigan State would be a big favorite over Gonzaga. And, you know, maybe they wouldn't, yeah. you know, based on obviously how they played last Friday. But um, then you have a great shot to get someone into the Final Four. Instead, we have Wisconsin as a narrow favorite over Notre Dame and two underdogs, you know, against against North two one seeds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's there's a there's a pretty good ch- – well, yeah, there's a pretty good chance the Big Ten doesn't even make it to the Elite Eight, let alone the Final Four. I think mm-hmm. – Sure. They'll probably get someone to the Elite Eight, um, but it, it's a completely reasonable, reasonable, you know, outcome, I guess, you know, for the Big Ten to have none in the Elite Eight or the Final Four. So um, something to kind of keep an eye on. I, I think it's really important that the Big Ten does get a Final Four team, but uh, you know, we'll see. You know, we we've seen crazier stuff than uh, a four sure. or a five seed make the Final Four, but uh, but with that, that that's our podcast uh, for this week here. Josh, any final thoughts on the tournament, um, the Big Ten, or, or anything else happening? I'm excited, man. Uh, I'm going to have my Wisconsin preview against Notre Dame up uh, either Thursday or early on Friday to take a look at. And I have my brother uh, from Wisconsin who's visiting me this weekend. So we'll definitely be keeping a close eye uh, on that Wisconsin game and, and rooting for a Badger victory and a victory for the other two Big Ten teams as well. Yeah, it, it should certainly be a fun weekend. I'm looking forward to it again. And uh, as a side note, um, for those of you interested in our bracket contest, we, we have the update on the site. Um, I'm trying to make a comeback. I won our bracket contest last year, and I, I, I got to keep the run going. But um, <laughs> I'm going to need a big weekend, though. But, um, but anyway, uh, Josh, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. And uh, for everyone else listening, uh, make sure to keep checking us out. Again, the rate – the views and listens have been outstanding the last couple of times. So uh, thanks again to everyone, and, and we'll see you next time. Uh, thanks again.